welcome everyone to this week's Citizens Climate Training Program. It's a weekly webinar of Citizens Climate Lobbies that provides CCL supporters like you and I with access to in-depth training opportunities on topics related to climate change and effective climate advocacy. I'm your host, Brett Cease, and tonight we're going to be diving into attending town halls during the August recess to bring up climate impacts. We're going to be joined by Jennifer Tyler, CCL Senior Director of Government Affairs, this training tonight that will review attending town hall plans. Town hall meetings are settings where the member of Congress and candidates want to connect with you back home in the district. So why not make sure to leverage this opportunity for them to get to know you as a voter and constituent with climate change and the impacts and responding to it with effective solutions at the front of your mind. They're worth planning for with the same care that you plan for a lobby meeting. And so tonight we're gonna to be reviewing how to do just that briefly introduce our wonderful co-presenter tonight. Jen Tyler serves as CCL Senior Director of Government Affairs as part of CCL's Government Relations Team in DC. In this role, she works to advance the policy goals of CCL in Congress on the Hill. Before CCL, she spent over seven years in public service serving as congressional staff. Most recently, she was Deputy Chief of Staff and Legislative Director, or LD, for Congressman John Katko. Throughout her time as congressional staff, Jen handled a broad policy portfolio, including transportation, natural resources, taxes, homeland security, agriculture, and healthcare. She has developed strong relationships throughout Washington on both sides of the aisle and has extensive experience in successfully crafting and advancing legislative initiatives. And as you'll hear from her in just a bit, she also has extensive experience helping with town halls. So having that inside knowledge is gonna be very helpful. If we've done our job well, we're gonna walk away with the following three learning goals tonight defining the purpose for the many types of town halls that are out there, reviewing the process for finding, planning for, and attending town halls, and providing access to additional supporting resources for your chapter's preparations, especially as it pertains to bringing and weaving in climate impacts. So our agenda is pretty straightforward to achieve that. We're gonna be talking about types of town halls. We're gonna be discussing finding town halls and how to do that. We're gonna review how to set your objectives and remain focused on them, provide you a few more tips, tricks, and recommendations on what to avoid. We'll actually debut a few sample questions to see what this looks like in action. Jen's gonna kind of give you a couple of frameworks to consider depending on the audience that you anticipate. And then we'll save the rest of the time for Q&A. So with that, I'm actually gonna pass it to Jen Thanks so much, Brett, and thanks everyone for joining us uh, tonight. This is going to be a fun topic. I spent many years on the other side of this, planning town halls and moderating them for my members, so it's exciting to use that knowledge to hopefully help a lot of you uh, be a little more effective in those meetings, get more out of them than, than you might have otherwise. So we're going to start, we're going to talk about a few different types and kind of break them down. There's different subsections in each of these, but one you're most familiar with probably are the in-person events. We're also going to talk about political events, so some of the campaign functions that might be going on this year as we get closer to the elections. And then the virtual events, which obviously are becoming more common with COVID, but have been around for some time uh, and are, are the most frequent events that occur in terms of town halls. So we'll start and we'll break down the in-person events. We're going to start with the one that you guys are probably most familiar with. It's the traditional one that you think of most often where the member of Congress is standing before a big audience of their constituents. They might have some brief remarks at the beginning, maybe update you on what's happening in Congress, what their priorities are, but then they just take questions from people in the audience. There's usually very little structure. The topics can range whatever the what the constituent wants to ask about. The member is going to 
answer to the best of their ability. So it's the most open-ended forum in terms of town hall events and the one that I think most people are, are most familiar and comfortable with. And then outside of that, another in-person town hall is gonna be the topic specific one. And this kind of branched out of the in-person general ones when the general town halls allow constituents to ask the member a question on any topic, it can make the member pretty uncomfortable. It can make those town halls somewhat confrontational depending on who's asking what. So members came up with these more topic specific town halls and those are becoming more common because it's very structured. The member feels more comfortable. The staff probably feels more comfortable. And what happens is a member and their staff will pick a specific issue and it's usually a local issue. So it might be something like rising substance use disorder rates in the district or a local infrastructure project that's working its way through the planning process. And they'll announce a town hall and convene members of the community to discuss that specific issue. They're going to phrase it as, I want to update you on what I'm doing in Congress, but I also want to hear from you, what do you think about this topic and what can I do better on this issue to serve you? So this can be a little tricky when you're coming at it from a climate perspective, talking about environmental issues. If the topic is on something like infrastructure or substance use disorder, it's, it can be hard to relate that back. But there's two important opportunities that these present. One is that you get to engage with the member on a topic they're passionate about. So whatever the topic is of these town halls, you can trust that it's something that the member cares about and their staff cares about. So you're automatically building that stronger relationship with a member when you show up and engage on something that is important to them. You're strengthening that relationship and the staff is gonna take note of that. The second opportunity is can be tricky, but is to demonstrate the relationship between that issue and climate. So infrastructure is a great example. Maybe it's a new road or a bridge. Maybe the old one was degrading because of flooding or something. Maybe you can tie that back to climate. So there is a way to kind of demonstrate how so many issues in the communities are somehow tangentially related to an environmental issue, a climate related issue. So there, there is an opportunity to do that, even though it might be a little more tricky than other formats. We'll pivot to talking about the campaign events. So the first one is gonna be a candidate forum. And those are gonna occur much more frequently now as we get closer to primary elections. Most often those are gonna be hosted by a local nonprofit organization, and it's gonna focus on a specific topic that's relevant to that nonprofit. So it might be a nonprofit that focuses on disability issues and accessibility. They're gonna hold a town hall on that topic and they're gonna have different candidates come to the forum and talk about how do they feel about that issue? What are their policy priorities in the space and allow members of the community to ask questions on that topic. Now, this is similar to the topic specific town halls where, where it might be hard to relate that back to environment, but the key opportunity in these events is going to be for grass tops engagement. You still want to take the chance if you can to engage with the candidate, whether that be the incumbent or the non incumbent in the in the forum itself. But it's a good opportunity to reach out to the local nonprofit that's hosting the event to create a new relationship if you don't already have one or strengthen an existing relationship, given that you know now that organization has the ear of the incumbent and the non-incumbent. If they were able to get these candidates to show up, it's clear that that nonprofit is, is relevant and important to those candidates. So it's a worthwhile investment to reach out to them and see if you can start to build and strengthen that relationship so that hopefully down the road, we can coordinate with them better and use them to advance our mission and hopefully advance their mission as well. The next type of political campaign event is gonna be a campaign town hall. 
And this can take a variety of formats. So going back to our previous kind of in-person events, it can look like an in-person general town hall where the member is speaking before a wide audience, answering any question a, a member, a, a constituent has. It can be in a topic specific town hall where the candidate is just talking about one specific topic. It can also be virtual. So it could be uh, over the telephone on some sort of online virtual platform. The significance of these is that one, they're going to happen leading up to primaries and general elections. So it's going to be, you know, this time of year and, and getting towards the end of the year. And it's going to allow you an opportunity to ask politically focused questions. So in all the other formats outside of the candidate forums, you're not going to be able, you can ask, but the member will not be able to answer any questions that are political because they are putting those events on in their official capacity as a member of Congress. They can't answer questions that are going to talk about the upcoming election, you know, their election platform, um, specific political polling, maybe some of the breakdown in the district, anything that gets into that political lane, they're going to have to steer away from because it is technically an official event. So this gives you an opportunity to think about, are there some politically focused questions that might be relevant that you couldn't have asked in another format that you could ask here? Next, we'll move on to the virtual events. So these, like I said, have become more common with COVID, but for the past, I wanna say five or six years, these have been the leading, uh, leading town halls and, and public events that members have been holding, mostly because they're incredibly easy for a member to hold. They don't have to be at a specific physical location. They can be anywhere. They can be in DC or in their home, anywhere. And they're also the most structured events. So the member and their staff have the most control over the questions that are being asked and answered, how long someone's speaking for, who's speaking, who's the audience. Um, they have a lot of control, which makes them feel a lot more comfortable. And they're also a lot easier to put on because they're all virtual. So it takes a lot less effort on the staff end. It's a lot less of a financial investment usually for the office. So for a number of reasons, these are gonna be the most common that are occurring. Uh, so I'm going to walk through a little bit how these how these operate, because I know these might be new for some of you, but essentially teletown halls all occur over the phone. There's going to be an audience that can be a couple hundred people up to a few thousand people. So it ranges depending on what the member of Congress and their staff want. And that audience is chosen by the congressional office. So they're handpicking people and they can do that in a number of different ways. They can do it by where you're located in the district, specific towns, uh, specific neighborhoods. They can do it by age. They can do it by political affiliation, and they can do it by really any other demographic that they have in their database. So there's a wide variety of ways for them to structure this, and they do have a pretty extensive database of all of their constituents to target the right people based on the topic or the audience that they want to reach at the time. And once they have this audience chosen, there's basically an automatic dial out. So there isn't usually a lot of notice. You're not getting, you know, weeks notice and email in advance. You usually get a call. It might be the morning of, it might be an hour before that says you answer the phone and it's an automated message from your member of Congress or just an automated robot telling you in an hour in this long, there's going to be a town hall held by this member of Congress. If you'd like to join, please answer our call at that time. So at that time, you'll get a call. It'll say, if you'd like to be connected to the Teletown Hall by X member of Congress, please press this button. When you do, you'll be put into the call. 
And the way these operate from, from there on out, you're going to have all of these people on, on this teletown hall. Everyone's obviously muted, so you're not hearing a bunch of constituents. You're just hearing the member of Congress. And they're going to start by giving intro remarks on what they want to talk about, their priorities, what they're doing. And then everyone else is going to be prompted. If you have a question, push a button. Once you push that button, you're going to be put into a queue. You still hear what's, what the member is saying, but a staffer will then select you in order to screen your question. So you're first going to ask your question to the staffer. And then once the staffer screens it, they put it in the database. And then someone, whether it be the member of Congress or their communication staffer, is picking which questions get asked live on air. So there is a different process. There's a lot of, like I said, a lot of screening, a lot of structure, which makes it so that the member of Congress only answers questions their staff wants them to answer. It makes it harder to get your question actually answered and, and asked on air. Um, but we're going to go through later some tips to get it so that you can really make sure hopefully your question is being asked on air. There's ways to structure it so more likely you're going to be chosen. So that's a lot about teletown halls, but uh, there's a lot of nuance in those. The next one we'll talk about, I'm sure a lot of you, you are familiar with Facebook Live events, and there's also Instagram Live, obviously, now. There's some Twitter events that people have done, gotten really creative with. Uh, so those are different virtual events that people are holding. A lot of times those happen in coordination with a local newspaper, a local media outlet who wants to put that on. So it can be a dialogue between the member of Congress and a reporter or another official in the district. And then that gives you an opportunity to either post live as it's happening, what your question is, or they ask you to submit questions in advance. So just another type of virtual event that we're seeing happen much more frequently now that we are in COVID. All right, so those were all the different types of town halls. We will now talk about how do you find an event and how do you set an objective when you do attend an event or hopefully before you attend it. There's a number of ways to find out about and participate in town halls that your member of Congress is hosting. Many members of Congress now actually include a specific link for you to be able to, um, on their webpage, sign up to participate or be on the lookout for future town hall events. If your member doesn't have a website that includes that form, it's worth actually calling the office to see if they keep such a list and if your member um, has that kind of opportunity for you to be added to that. And just as a reminder, the easiest way for anyone here that's kind of curious about if there's actually a simple way for you to find out about um, your member's website, it's simply their last name.house.gov if they're in the House of Representatives or in the Senate, it's just their last name.senate.gov. Now, whether the office actually keeps a specific list of individuals eager to participate in town halls, be sure that the office has your correct contact information, including your full name, address, and phone number. And especially with Jen just highlighting those teletown halls now being the most common way to engage your member, being sure to use your phone number that you can be reached during weekday evenings is key because that's obviously what most teletown halls take place. You can also see here on this um, map uh, kind of of a congressional website, this is of uh, fellow Minnesotan Dean Phillips here, uh, that oftentimes on members of Congress's websites, they have a newsletter sign up. And if you haven't actually done that yet, make sure to click on kind of that opportunity where you can find out and subscribe. Again, here's a little um, subscribe button on the top corner normally, and then under connect, there's find an event or you can kind of browse and look for events that way as well. 
and newsletters are often a, a common way where you can be able to find out about upcoming events and help even get the word out for your chapter to boost attendance. You can also check on these following options as well. Check websites, Facebook pages for public events listing. The best information comes from your district office, so developing that relationship with the scheduler is key and designated a point person from your chapter, usually the liaison, or it could be somebody else checking with them by phone, um, you know, early into recess or even a bit before to see what's on the schedule for your member of Congress is key. Because oftentimes, especially with concerty concerns, there often isn't much advance notice. Um, and so that can be both a frustration, but also an opportunity to take advantage of that if you do find out, because I don't mean less other people are also aware of it too, and you can really be able to lean in and have more of the floor. And there's also additional websites like the town hall project that you can find out about online if you search for that as well. So let's talk about setting your objectives, right? The whole purpose of tonight is connecting the dots on extreme weather impacts that we're seeing right now that are driven by climate change. But what else do we want to achieve? Well, that's really up to you and your team. I'm going to list a couple of options that you might consider. And feel free as you're listening to think about which of these feels like most strategic or helpful for developing a relationship with your member of Congress. You could highlight a positive action that the member of Congress has taken on climate change or having developed environmental policy around to encourage further action. You could encourage that member of Congress to take the strongest possible position on climate change by asking a question that links their strengths and concerns to the issue of climate. You could make sure to find out more about where they stand by asking broader, more general questions on climate or connect them to energy or national security or even infrastructure like Jen highlighted. You could also educate the member and use your question to highlight an upcoming study or an area for them to look up with staff afterwards that contains a key fact about climate change or a CCL primary or secondary policy ask. One goal that we often have is to coordinate with attendants to really highlight the impression that their constituency is deeply engaged on this issue. So if you have multiple attendees that can submit questions or stand and speak on behalf of this issue, it's going to be noticed. And we also always like creating a positive impression with CCL's organizing ability and grassroots strength by identifying yourself as a CCLer and having kind of that friendly engagement. And the last thing I'll also just highlight is it's also key to just establish rapport with the member of Congress, right? Candidates or staff, you know, mingling during in transition between before, during, after the event, come early, stay late, see if you can help stack chairs at the end and position yourself near the member of Congress to get in that conversation even after the event formally to deepen that relationship. And of all real scenarios, be prepared for any outcome, productive discussion, or no chance to even ask questions. It's really hard to predict at an event going into it, what your opportunity will be, position yourself best, and then go with whatever that was thrown to you. All right, so I just have a few last things here and then we'll kick it back to Jen to review a couple of sample questions before opening up for Q&A. So here's some tips and tricks, right? Some ideas for how to uh, kind of approach any type of town hall. Number one, keep it brief and personal. We always, have been to events <laughs> where the person will say more of a comment, less of a question. You don't want that to be you. You, you, you want to make sure to make an impact, be brief and personable, and then move on for the member of Congress to respond. Sometimes meetings can bring out members of the community who are strident or difficult, and you can be a breath of fresh air 
by being pleasant and engaging in your approach to this topic. You can also approach these events with the same diligence that you would apply to a private meeting with a member of Congress, doing research ahead of time to figure out their concerns and what their constituents are already telling them and are seeing in the newspaper or with any of the other public discussion. What kinds of language or messaging are gonna resonate with your audience, especially? We'll get into that in just a bit when we're formulating questions. One other thing to consider is just that a good question includes an appreciation at the beginning or at the end, or even in both places, and often uses some helpful talking points for the speaker to pick up on. It can be naturally very embarrassing or very tempting to try to embarrass some, um, some of our members of Congress if they're not taking strong action on climate, but keep in mind again that this is less productive, often finding them in a corner let, rather than providing them talking points that can lead to solutions and engage in actually being a part of envisioning what they want to do. And then lastly, you wanna link your question to something that you know already resonates with your member of Congress. For example, if your research shows that employment is a key issue, frame your questions around jobs. If research shows that national security is a priority, then reference a military official in your question. If air quality is bad, especially with this summer's wildfires and asthma is a problem locally, reference the health benefits of carbon-free energy. There's lots of opportunities for you to make that personal and include something that resonates. All right, so let's think a little bit more specifically on teletown halls, like Jen indicated, given that they are so important. Basically, one of the things you wanna think about ahead of time is drafting your questions so that you're ready to go since you might not have advanced notice of these events and you can be one of the first people screened by a staff member by submitting it early. That's really the biggest tip we have for Teletown Hall events. Thinking ahead so that you are ready to go and screen immediately. Very few of the questions screened are actually taken by the member of Congress to increase your likelihood to be selected. Make the bulk of your comment or question about something positive the member of Congress has done recently. For example, briefly state, that you'd like to thank the member of Congress for the recent vote on a specific bill or legislative action they've taken and, and connected to how it's important to you personally. And if you frame it like that in the beginning, you're more likely to be chosen if you wanna speak on a topic or have the uh, staffer screen your question so that you're seen often as somebody that is an ally or at least commending the member of Congress for their leadership before asking a question that we can connect back to climate. If you're selected and can share your comment directly, focus on the recent action, again, that you've highlighted, um, and then relate it back to your passion for climate solutions. And if your question isn't taken, you're welcome to leave or wait until the end of the call. There's usually an option to, you know, before you're departing, leave a voicemail for the uh, message or for the office. And the key thing that Jen reminds us on this front is that voice messages are reviewed and answered by staff members as an indicator of what are the most important issues for the constituents that did show up. So it's a helpful way to be able to really remind them that this is an important issue for people that are there. All right, so thinking about some in-person events, since we talked on Teletown Hall virtual side of things, here's a couple of recommendations. Dress nicely, sit up front, smile, and look present, right? All of those are gonna increase your chances of getting called on. Sit near the microphone if there is one in the aisle so that you're right, ready to go whenever that opportunity presents itself for people to start lining up. If turnout's low, sometimes a discussion even can take place. And if you can get a productive conversation started, you've actually turned this event into a mini lobby meeting. 
So if things are going really well, consider asking if you can meet again to continue that discussion. And on the flip side, just know this, a couple of things that we recommend avoiding are the following. Avoid speeches disguised as questions. Again, we wanna keep it brief. You don't wanna be that person that says more of a comment, less of a question. You wanna avoid close-ended questions, things that make the member of Congress simply say no and move on. How can you open up the discussion with how you frame your question? You wanna avoid sounding accusatory. Anything that starts with, why didn't you? Or I was disappointed. That's gonna shut down their listening and not lead them to be in a position where they can actually respond. We want them to be in that place where they, we can actually reach their hearts and avoid prefacing uh, questions with those kinds of beginnings are often a, a surefire way to not get there. Last two considerations here before we get into building your question. One is avoid prefacing questions with long statements about the desperate situation that we may find ourselves in here with climate. When including information on climate change, research continues to highlight referencing local experts and keeping it specific on what you're seeing locally with climate impacts are both powerful ways to keep it focused on the impacts that other people can relate to and pivot to the solution. And then lastly, Although meetings can offer opportunities to make move things forward, sometimes they're also counterproductive. So we wanna be careful about avoiding saying something that provokes a negative response from the crowd, because that could then discourage the Congresswoman or Congressman from actually stepping in and taking a further step on climate. So especially knowing your audience is key, but avoid backing them into a corner like I've highlighted. The goal here is engagement, not confrontational. And if that's not possible, then attending or really speaking at one of these events might actually not be the most useful strategy for you and your team. All right, so let's talk quickly about building your question. We know that the ideal question, like Jen highlighted, encourages the member of Congress to respond positively and play well with the audience. And in general, we wanna ask questions that encourage them to speak about solutions and also bring in the strength of bipartisan solutions. So one of the key resources here that I want to highlight is the regional climate impacts that we provide. We have two wonderful uh, resources. I'll put a link to the chat uh, where you can access these decks. And a little bit about these slide decks. They are intended for USCCLers to deliver local presentations, but also to be able to find in a shortened version some of the key findings from two of our key scientific references, the fourth National Climate Assessment Report, which is focused on US level impacts. That's why they're organized by region here that you can see. And then also the working group, the first working group from the most recent IPCC sixth assessment report. So these are the most comprehensive and authoritative assessments on the latest and the greatest climate science research pertaining to the US and our global community, respectively. And Dana Nuccitelli, our research coordinator, has done a wonderful job pulling out key climate impacts for each of our regions that you can lean into. So with that though, let's just put into action what Jen recommends across several of these actual audience dependent question areas to see what we can do to make sure that as we're framing our questions, we're thinking through the actual implications behind what our audience might be best led to doing. So for the next section, we're gonna review three different approaches to engaging your member of Congress with a question. And it's gonna depend on the audience mix you find yourself in. We're gonna talk about a politically mixed audience, a liberal audience, 
and then a conservative audience. So we'll start with the politically mixed audience. In these audiences, you can't assume that everyone is on board with climate action. Some people are gonna be where we are and some people aren't. So the goal here is to make it very personal and make it very local. You wanna make sure that you're talking about something that's gonna resonate with a lot of people in the room. So talking, like I said, about the local flooding, talking about a recent incident that happened near your house or local impact on businesses that you've heard from business owners, something that's gonna to touch the hearts of everyone in the room. And then you also wanna highlight the economic impacts. And we say this because that's one of the topics that resonates with most people. Um, it goes beyond uh, health impacts. It, it touches more people than a lot of other tangential impacts of climate, economic policy, economic impacts, how it's hitting their paychecks, how it's hitting their um, weekly spending, those topics uh, go a long way in the eyes of most people, especially in mixed audiences. Last year, my cousin almost lost her job because she couldn't get to work after the roads washed out in her town following 10 inches of rainfall. That's supposed to be a thousand year event, but we've had several in the last few years. I think there's something to this problem of climate change. I'm tired of seeing Congress argue over it. I'd like to see both parties come together and do something. How will you bring members of both parties together to make sure that we aren't making things worse for my generation, kids, and grandkids by ignoring climate change? So we're gonna turn to a more liberal audience. So when you know most of the people in the room, are of a liberal bent, you can assume that most attendees are already prioritizing climate policy as, as one of their top issues and the member of Congress as well. So when that's the audience, the most important things are to highlight the importance of bipartisan buy-in. And for that point, you wanna make sure that we're highlighting that you know partisan solutions are not gonna stand the test of time. If you've got a changing administration, a changing Congress, policies that are supported only by one party are very easily rolled back. So that's why we're pushing for these bipartisan solutions that are going to last. They're going to stand the test of time and really be able to be something that's making long-term significant change. And the last thing you might want to do is highlight our desired policy. So in this case, carbon pricing, while drawing, drawing out the member's position. So given that you know that everyone's on board with climate action, the need for significant action, it's helpful to dive into here's our policy, but also see where's the member stand on that and what other policies are they looking at um, that they might want to put forward on climate. Thank you, Congresswoman. I would guess that most people here are concerned, like I am, about climate change. And we're doing as much as we can locally and individually to lower our own emissions, but we need federal action. I've personally concluded that the only way that can happen is by both parties working together. Otherwise, everything gets undone with a change in administration. What will you do to work with Republicans who are beginning to come around on this issue so that we can have some lasting solutions? Perfect. So the last one we're going to talk about is when the audience is conservative. So in this case, you're going to assume that some people in the audience, maybe the majority, unfortunately, are skeptical of climate change science. They're skeptical of the policies that are being proposed in the space. So in this case, your goal is to focus on local environmental issues that impact everyone and most importantly are impacting the economy. So like I said before, maybe it's an issue that's facing the ag community. Maybe it's an issue that's um, impacting some of the infrastructure and preventing some of our goods from being transferred across county lines or, or some sort of local business issue. 
any of those issues are going to resonate with people in the room. It's not going to immediately send off red flags as a, you know, a, an environmentalist is asking a question. It's going to be about an issue that they care about, an issue that's impacting their daily life. And the second part of it is to highlight the importance of conservative market-based environmental policy solutions. You want to make sure that the member and the audience feel like we're, we're talking to them on their terms. The, the words conservative, market-based, those are terms that they're going to feel very comfortable with and things that are going to signal to them, oh, there is a place for us in this dialogue. What can I bring to the table? That's something that I support, that my constituent supports, um, and that I'm ready to, to talk on more fully. So those are the two, two key things to highlight on. And since after this, I'm going to take us home and show where you can find the actual resource page on community, all modeled the conservative audience one and uh, be able to demonstrate really uh, what Jen was saying here, putting it together. So the story behind this one is emphasizing your own local impacts and taking it from there. Congressman, the wildfire season has already started out west, I see, and last year my friends in Idaho were telling me about all of the smoke and ash falling in their neighborhood. I really worry about the health in their homes, and I also wonder how much fighting these fires is going to be costing all of us taxpayers. So my question to you is, I think we need to take prudent action about climate change. So what kinds of solutions would be consistent with your conservative values? So again, noticing from that framing, um, as Jennifer reviewed here, the importance of the environmental health issues and highlighting the importance or naming explicitly conservative values, market-based solutions. And the great thing is there's several questions depending on each of those audiences. So if there's one that resonates or feels a bit more authentic for you, you are more than welcome to try them all on for size and feel how you might want to apply them in your own town hall or candidate form setting. Um, to find them, uh, you don't just have to click the link in uh, Zoom in case you are looking for these after tonight live's webinar, um, but you are more than welcome to on the top of any page in CSEL community, click on that resources and training drop down menu. Uh, from there, you can go to the all resources directory and there's a category called lobbying Congress. From there, you can easily see one of those is called town hall and candidate forums sample questions. You can easily just search in the search bar for sample questions. Um, that should queue up this as the top search result. All right, so with that, thank you all so much for being here tonight. We hope that you found tonight's training useful and empowering. A reminder that by the next day, you're able to load your um, training on community. And uh, with that, a reminder also to always log your training. You can simply go to the action tracker tool or at the bottom of any training specifically and click log your training to get credit so we can see which trainings people are taking. And uh, if you have any ongoing questions, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is brent at citizensclimate.org and direct your questions to the forums, cclusa.org forward slash forums. Uh, the slides and the training page again are in the chat. And uh, I'm going to unmute all so lines. We can all join a huge resounding round of applause for our esteemed guest tonight. Jennifer, you did such a wonderful job, and I just feel so much smarter after this hour together. So stay safe, thank everyone. You. Thank you again, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jen. Thank Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. 
We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.